I've certainly heard some uh, anecdotal, mainly reports of people's animals uh, not coping so well. So yeah, showing some signs of separation anxiety. Hello and welcome to this bonus mini episode of Creature Tales from RSPCA Victoria. I'm your host, Alexandra Keefe, and thank you for tuning in. That was Dr. Gabriel Carter, vet behaviourist, talking about separation anxiety in pets following COVID lockdowns, working from home and returning to the office. I thought this would be the perfect time to share Gabriel's wisdom so you can help make your pet feel a bit happier about spending more time alone. Hi, Gabriel. Can you start by telling me what separation anxiety looks like for pets and how serious it can be? Yeah, look, that's a really good question. And um, I think when we're dealing with something like separation anxiety, we're dealing with a a spectrum. So we'll have some uh, dogs, for example, that will um, whine or cry, pace around a little bit for about 10 minutes um, after the owner's left. But then pretty much the rest of the day, they settle down, go to sleep. You know, they just they sort of have a little bit of a whinge to start with and then they go, oh, well, I'll get on with it. I'm okay. Um, whereas other dogs will remain highly anxious for the uh, entire time that the owner is absent. And some of these dogs will get really, really anxious. So they'll actually start panicking. And that's when we see more signs left behind. So those uh, very panicky dogs may start trying to dig through the plaster wall or chew through the door. They may tear up cushions and and bedding and things like that. That is a really serious issue um, because these dogs are really stressed. They're panicking. They're in a high level of distress. So they really, really need some attention. Some of the other ones, that that sort of 10 minutes and then I settle down, they'll probably get over that um, over the next couple of weeks as, as owners get more into a routine of going to work again. And do we know why dogs actually get separation anxiety? Yeah, well, um, that's a good question. We do know that there's probably a genetic uh, component to your tendency to develop separation anxiety. So genetics does play a role, but we do know there's a lot of other factors that are related to separation anxiety. So dogs with generalised anxiety, that might just be one component of it. So they might be fearful of um, people, fearful of other dogs, Um, and uh, they also have some separation anxiety. There's a strong correlation with noise phobias. So dogs that are scared of thunderstorms and fireworks, uh, they are much more likely to also have separation anxiety. We know that dogs that are taken away from their mother and their litter before eight weeks of age, they're also more likely to develop separation anxiety, as are dogs that Uh, aren't exposed to a lot of the world when they're young. So say in their first year of life, if they've sort of kept at home and uh, sort of kept in a bit of cotton wool, really, and they don't get out and experience lots of different things in the world, um, they don't meet lots of different people, lots of different dogs, um, they're also more likely to develop separation anxiety. And I guess the other group are dogs that are trained using more confrontational training techniques. So if we're using these quite strongly based punishment uh, techniques, we see more dogs with separation anxiety than if we use more positive type training. What are some steps a pet owner could take if they think their pet might have separation anxiety? Look, I think one of the biggest um, and most useful things to do is to uh, video record what's happening with your your pet. So um, there's some great apps these days. They're really cheap, just sort of baby monitoring apps. So you can set up your iPad or or any smart device that's got a camera, leave the house, uh, go around the corner, go to the cafe, uh, get out your phone, and you can watch in real time what your pet is doing. 
The one thing I would say is it can go unnoticed sometimes. Because the owners aren't home, obviously, when it's occurring, then they can miss the signs of it. So if you have a dog that is just pacing around and panting, when they come home, obviously, the dog stops doing that and there's no signs left to indicate that that's what the dog was doing. That concerns me that there might be some dogs that are um, showing signs of separation anxiety, but nobody's picking them up. So I think if you've got any concerns at all, uh, definitely do some video monitoring. Other things that people can do, I think, uh, if the dog is showing some separation anxiety, is to make that transition back to work and the dog spending longer on its own, more gradual. So if you can, start leaving, um, just going even just for your, for a walks, going around the cafe, going, you know, to the movies, <laughs> just things that leave for half an hour, then an hour, then two hours. Um, maybe you just pop into work for a couple of hours and come home. And we just make that transition over a few weeks or a month and do it at a pace that the dog can actually cope with. You can also uh, start getting the dog used to being a little bit more on its own, even when you're at home. Encouraging the dog to perhaps uh, go outside and chew on a bone or take itself off into another room away from you, where it's spending time on its own, but it's having a really pleasant and rewarding time. So it sort of goes, hey, life's okay, even if the owner's not around. And for a pet that hasn't been transitioned in that way, what could be some of the long-term effects on that animal? I think, um, like any of us, if we get a bit panicky, uh, if we're getting really, really stressed, that tends to snowball. And it's sort of, we, we really want to cut that off quickly because, yes, it can sort of develop into a more generalised anxiety over time. Just from a welfare perspective, we really need to be doing something about it. I, I sometimes, um, you know, I, I'm not quite sure how people think sometimes when, you know, if the dog's got a, a broken leg, uh, we're going to give it some pain medication. Now, the pain medication is not going to fix that, that leg, but we're doing something for the welfare of the dog to reduce that pain. And uh, I think, you know, with separation anxiety, these animals are suffering as well um, and their welfare is really compromised. So um, I think we really do need to do something uh, to try and relieve that pressure and stress that they're under. Will it be interesting for you to see more of the impacts of COVID as the year progresses? Because as you said earlier, we're not too sure at the moment. Yeah, no, look, I, I am really interested. Um, I mean, I think we are going to uh, see some some problems, but I'm sort of hopeful that over the year we'll be able to iron most of those out. I'm assuming most of those dogs that, that might now show separation anxiety didn't have separation anxiety previously. So um, there's, you know, good reason to believe that we can get them back to where they were. So I'm pretty hopeful that we should be able to deal with most of those cases. It's the dogs that have had separation anxiety prior uh, to the COVID restrictions um, that are probably uh, exacerbated their problem. And would you say to owners that might be worried about their pets that, you know, it is okay, just put in a bit of work and you will be able to see the results? Yes, definitely. I mean, uh, separation anxiety is, is usually a very um, satisfying case for me to treat. We get some really good results up in the 80%. So, uh, and those ones that, that aren't uh, in that successful 80% are really, really challenging cases. Uh, so well worth treating. Uh, yeah, sure, owners can try some of the strategies that we've talked about to see if their animals settle down. Just remember to do that video monitoring to make sure uh, you are getting some success. If not, look, you really should be talking uh, to your vet uh, and getting some advice on how to uh, better manage the problem, come up with a 
treatment plan. There are some very good uh, qualified and experienced behavioural trainers as well. Or you might want to talk to a veterinary behaviourist such as myself. Yeah, you've got a lot of people that can help you out depending on just how uh, severe the problem is. Uh, Get on top of it. Um, We're going to see some really good success rates. That was Dr. Gabriel Carter, vet behaviourist. I hope you enjoyed this little bonus episode and were able to jot down some tips. I'll be back again soon. And as always, thank you for tuning in.